This is Resonance. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Resonance, a music and sound diplomacy podcast that explores the history and cultural significance of musical exchange across the globe. The series seeks to highlight the impact and potential of music diplomacy initiatives at the state and non-state levels, and to strengthen the case for music as an important tool of cross-cultural communication in the arsenal of public diplomacy. Playing in the background is American singer and civil rights activist Nina Simone's cover of Eretz Shevat Halav, Land Flowing with Milk, an Israeli folk song sung in Hebrew. <laughs> A shared struggle and friendship between African Americans and Jewish Americans brought about unique Afro-Yiddish encounters um, from the 1930s to the 1960s. So this song serves as an appropriate segue to introduce our guests joining us remotely via Skype from Puebla, Mexico, Paul Rockauer. Paul is a Jewish American public diplomat and the site manager for Next Level, a hip-hop diplomacy program conducted by the U.S. State Department. Paul and Next Level use hip-hop, a genre of music developed by African-Americans in New York City, as a tool for social empowerment and conflict resolution. Welcome to the program, Paul. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I, uh, I should probably clarify that I no longer work for Next Level. I, oh, I discontinued okay. my work after the election of uh, one Mr. J- Donald J. Trump. Good to uh, know. Have, Good to know. Yeah, no, I, I worked on Next Level for about three years, um, but after the 2016 election, decided to discontinue my work with the State Department uh, because of a certain change in government, um, which hopefully will be changing a little further back today. Very so just to put that out there to clarify. Yeah, so it's a... It's an interesting day to be having this interview then. Very, very much so. I, um, so I worked for, on the Next Level program for about three seasons, for about four or five years. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a hip-hop diplomacy program between the University of North Carolina's music department and the U.S. State Department. And the program uses hip-hop as a tool for social empowerment. So I would take teams of MCs, DJs, beat makers, and break dancers, different uh, artists each residency, and we would meet with local hip-hop communities all over the world and would run basically about two-week academies um, of workshops where the MC would meet with MCs, the DJ would meet with DJs, beat maker with beat makers, um, and break dancer with dancers. And we would work not with beginning artists, not the most established artists, but kind of up and coming artists. And we'd Very help cool. work on them with, uh, work, teach them best practices, but also how to use the music in a more social fashion, using it for conflict resolution and entrepreneurship and, um, you know, for, uh, basically how to use your, uh, music in a more social and community building fashion. Cool. So just a question. So just to backtrack a little bit, um, it's hip hop diplomacy, correct? It is. And, uh, so Correct. it's not just rapping, it's not just uh, um, beatboxing 
or beat making. It's also it includes sampling and production and all these uh, different workshops. Absolutely. Uh, really, all of the elements of hip hop, including graffiti, that's now a part of the program as well. Oh. Um, but it's all about using hip hop as a tool for social empowerment, which is really what hip hop is all about. Hip hop is called street journalism. It's uh, hip hop is the the voice of the voiceless, and it's a way of building spaces in which hip hop communities worldwide can connect. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about the difference between cultural exchange and cultural diplomacy. Um, but this is really about creating a space for dip different hip hop communities to connect. Um, because they speak the same language, they uh, deal with similar issues in their communities all over the world. And I found that, you know, running these programs all over the world that you often find, um, similar issues that people are dealing with in their communities. And that, that is, you know, feeling like your voice isn't listened to, yeah. feeling like your community is being neglected, uh, feeling like people have the wrong impression of what hip hop is all about. Um, you know, and, and so really what we're doing is, is creating a space to help empower the hip hop community by creating a, a real bilateral, you know, dialogue between artists. So it's not about bringing American artists and saying, Hey, we created hip hop, you know, we're from America, we're the best. It's bringing American artists who represent their hip hop communities in America and meeting with the hip hop community in Tunisia or Colombia or, uh, Bangladesh and having this real even dialogue between communities, talking about who have been the influences in your community, what shapes your community, um, and they have you know an immediate common language and common bond, um, you know, based on hip hop, which is a little different than um, other forms of cultural diplomacy, um, because you're you're you know working with two communities that speak the same language, even if they didn't know it yet. Yeah. So I have a clip here um, from. Next Level uh, Harare in Zimbabwe. Um, it's a freestyle in the in the Bele language. Can you tell me a little bit about, uh, about it before I, I play it? Sure. So um, the Next Level Zimbabwe program took place in 2015. That was our second uh, program in Africa, our first in Southern Africa. Uh, we had a phenomenal, phenomenal collection of hip-hop artists, including some really, really dope rappers in uh, Harare. We were working at a place called The Book Cafe, which is a real cultural space. And um, so the majority of Zimbabwe are Shona, Shona speakers, and the minority are Ndebele. And there have been real conflict issues between the, the Shona and the Ndebele. And that was one of the things that, that um, our program was working on, was connecting rappers who rapped in Shona and who rapped in Ndebele and bringing them together, because you don't always see that a lot in Zimbabwe. And so it was really creating a space for cultural dialogue within Zimbabwe and, and getting you know these artists on the same page and in the same space working together. Uh, and so the the artist you have there is, I believe it's the illustrator uh, from a group called Streetwise Kings from Bulawayo, the city of kings and queens. With the next level, take this whole thing to the next level. Bega, yeah. Yeah, was a Casas Tola, Banamona, Angabas Conasia Flora, each and every corner, Bocomotele Stalia, Stormak, Nashangoma, all the way to the top, press stuff on the mic. Since just look over, really got the map. So the player hate, Tabby came in full force, Tabby educate, Tabby property or large. Very cool, Paul. So, um, would you consider hip hop ambassadors to be, to be the new jazz ambassadors? It seems it, it seems to me that they are uh, playing a very similar role um, in showcasing um, not only American culture but African American culture. Yeah. Well, I would say that that 
the hip hop hip hop diplomacy is what jazz diplomacy was, and that is you know the most um, profound urban form of music that has a global reach. I mean, hip hop reaches worldwide in ways that jazz did years ago, um, and so it's it's a way of you know sharing hip hop culture and and using something that is is so widely appreciated and felt. Um, and something that was, you know, born in America, but has spread worldwide. And so Definitely. changes in, in different places. So like, for example, in Bangladesh, the, the biggest influence on Bangladesh rap is a group from the 90s called Bone Thugs and Harmony. And why mm-hmm. is that? Because Bangla, the, the language is very poetic and chopped up and bouncy and, and works perfectly with that kind of chopped up flow from, from uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony. Interesting. Um, and one of the other things like the Jazz Diplomacy program did, you know, where you had this creation of new music that was born out of these cultural connections. One of the things that the Next Level program does is it mixes hip hop with traditional forms of music in the countries where it works. Um, and that's something um, that's a, another part of the program itself where so in in Algeria, we were mixing hip hop with Ganawi music or in El Salvador, mixing hip hop with cumbia Very or cool. Poro and Fandango in in um in Colombia or mixing uh, hip hop with Bengali folk music called Baal music. And, and part of it is, is to show the fluidity. I mean, hip hop comes from so many different influences and so many different cultures and comes together and, and brings together into one genre, um, but is open to so many different influences yes. and so can a- adapt this. And, and part of this is also to show the local hip hop communities that we work with that you don't have to do just what you see on YouTube or see on, um, you know, on TV, but you can create something authentic from your own musical style and your own musical genre that will be, you know, even more respected because you're taking something that's traditionally yours and building on it with this type of music that's so um, open to interpretation, open to, to, to different influences. Definitely. There's something about the, the hip-hop beats um, that is very welcoming of all kinds of sounds. Not even, they don't even have to be musical. They can be like weird sound effects. I remember I was driving once um, and you know in LA the, the radio stations come in and out. So I had the uh, the classical station going in and out uh, a, a hip hop station and it for some reason the, the beat synced and it was so beautiful it was some of the coolest hip hop I've ever heard um, there's a, there's an artist on the next level program named Conscience the MC who uh, he does work at the Kennedy Center um, with mixing hip hop and classical music no way. and oh. you, you've seen all sorts of hip hop and jazz uh, mixed together and Guru pioneered that um, but there's, and, and we've had artists who, who did a, a fair amount of that and we mixed lots of, you know, hip hop with different yes. styles. Um, I think in part because hip hop is such a fluid form of music. Yeah. I, and I think, um, it, I, to me, jazz is a beautiful style of music, but it, it's kind of limited to a certain skill set. I mean, like you require a lot of training, um, to learn your scales and learn your instrument, but with hip hop is very uh, non-hierarchical in a way, um, you can yeah. you can communicate very easily. So I, I I really like how powerful that aspect of it is. Hip hop is modern poetry. It's it's verbal and nonverbal communication and and ways of speaking truth to power. But it, ultimately, it's poetry. And one of the most profound you know things uh, from running these programs is watching. Um, in places like El Salvador or Honduras, I did some programs, you know, in, in some real troubled communities, and, 
and watching young men who you know are using hip hop as a form of poetry to talk about the problems in their community. It's giving them a, a voice to to talk about the things that they're facing in their daily lives uh, in a way that they couldn't express you know just by talking about it. It's a it's a manner. It's like a, a key to unlocking their ability to to discuss the, the the realities they face. And that's really what hip hop has been about is giving a voice to those who don't always feel that they have one. Beautiful, um, Paul. So. Yes. Let's move on to the, the next topic, I guess. Um, you're also a former communications director for American Music Abroad. Um, this is another music diplomacy program sponsored by the State Department. Um, what can you tell us about this program? Sure. So I was the communications director for American Voices, uh, which is a nonprofit, an NGO that runs performing arts academies in countries in conflict. So I ran a performing arts academy in Iraq, teaching jazz and breakdance and symphony and theater. If you want to talk about real stories of breakdance, uh, mm. talk to the Iraqi breakdancers. That's a, that's a whole other story. Very so cool. American Voices has the American Music Abroad Grant, which is the State Department's flagship music diplomacy program. That was a program that was born out of the Jazz Ambassadors program and is open to all different types of American music. So blues, bluegrass, jazz, hip hop, rock, um, you know, any type of American music uh, is open for American music abroad. And I worked on that, that program for about two seasons um, and took a five-girl bluegrass band named Della May. I took them to Uzbekistan, mm -hmm. Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, Turkmenistan. I took a Hawaiian slacky guitar group named Keola Beamer and Jeff Peterson with Moanalana Beamer. I took them to Brazil um, and worked on that program for, for a couple of seasons. Um, usually that, that program sends out about 10 different uh, ensembles open for trios, quartets, and quintets of any type of American music. And so groups uh, audition for that. And, and that program is more about cultural diplomacy. It's about sharing styles and facets of music that, that places don't know. So like there's no market for bluegrass in Uzbekistan. There's, you know, right. people haven't heard of it. Um, and so the, the beauty of that program is it takes these unique forms of American music and sends them to places where they just aren't known or they aren't recognized and, and is a way of, of helping to show different sides of American culture. Uh, and there is some bits of, of exchange there. You know, the, the groups do concerts and they do workshops and masterclasses and they also do some collaboration sessions. But that that program is a little bit more unidirectional. It's, it, it is about cultural exchange, but more about cultural diplomacy, um, whereas Next Level is more about cultural exchange. Um, but they're, they're just for different audiences. They, you know, they, they deal with different things. Um, in some, you know, it, it's, it's a matter of, of sending different types of music because, because these are educational endeavors. You can, you can give this away in, in places where there's no market that would support bluegrass, you know, or Hawaiian music. And it's, it's very powerful. I mean, one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life was, you know, teaching Brazilian girls to hula dance. It's, <laughs> it's, it's quite amazing. Uh, and great, quite yeah. powerful and profound. I think we have a and, we have a clip really sorry. quick, uh, so that the the audience can uh, familiarize themselves a little bit with the the sounds coming out of this uh, this program. So this is um this is Della May, the bluegrass artist, uh, performing with uh, what's this the name of the group? Usta uh, Usta Usta Shakir. Okay. Yeah. And they're performing Bowling Green.
Um, something I find really cool about Central Asian music is that, uh, this, and this is just a very personal uh, taste, um, their, their string instruments, they seem to play in either fourths or fifths. Um, and to me, that, that's a very punk rock sound. And I, I was raised on, huh. on, on, on punk rock. And I remember hearing even like the Tuvan throat singers uh, performing with their, with their uh, string instruments. I was like, man, that is it's asking for some kind of a musical exchange with, uh, with some punk rockers from the States. <laughs> there, well, punk rock punk rock's actually big in a lot of places. It's big in Indonesia. They've got a big punk scene. Um, and that's kind of run into to some issues in some parts in the more conservative yeah. areas that's run into some issues. Uh, I believe you had mentioned the throat singing. Uh, there are some Mongolian throat singing rappers, which uh, I've seen some videos for, and that, that's actually pretty dope. Cool. Uh, well, yeah, we'll yeah. definitely post some of that some of that stuff on the on the SoundCloud uh, for people to check it out because this is it's there's so just so much music out there. Yeah. Um, and so just to, to kind of uh, discuss a little bit, I so I worked on the American Music Abroad program for a couple of seasons, and then I went off on my own. I started my own public diplomacy uh, organization called Levantine Public Diplomacy, where mm -hmm. I worked with. Uh, alumni from the American Music Abroad program and helped set up new programs for them. So I took the, that Five Girl Bluegrass Band, Delamay, I took them to Brazil for the World Cup uh, with the rock and blues band, uh, the Clinton Curtis Band, who's also on American Music Abroad, where I took uh, Keola Beamer and Jeff Peterson, Moalani Beamer, um, to Zimbabwe for the Harare International Festival of the Arts. So I continued working with them for about a third of my work was related to doing cultural diplomacy with AMA, American Music Abroad alumni, and then about two-thirds was related to the, the Next Level program, the Hip Hop Diplomacy. Cool. Um, yeah, and just uh, I want to touch a little bit on... Um yeah, that difference between uh, cultural diplomacy and cultural exchange that you uh, you talked a little bit about, because um, these two these two programs are are, are different in their approach. Um, they both work with music, but uh, yeah, like their approach is different. Can you tell me a little bit more about the pros and the cons? Sure. Um, well, the the beauty of American Music Abroad is it's a longer program. That you know, when I was working on it, it was four to six weeks. Um, now I think it's down to three to five. And your ability to reach wide varieties of audiences, and, and you know, and get out there and do concerts and movie, you know, uh, excuse me, morning programs and workshops, you get to reach large, larger groups of audiences uh, on a more constant basis, and you get to to share more, more styles of American music. Whereas um, the you know, and that's more of a cultural diplomacy program, whereas Next Level is more cultural exchange in which you're creating a space in which these different cultures can connect and build and create something together. And there's a final concert which gets out, um, you know, what's been created in during the academy. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the focus of the program is more on the process rather than the outcome. The, the concert itself is meant to, to showcase and demonstrate what was done, but really the, the focus of the the next level program is on the process, whereas the focus of, um, you know, the the American Music Abroad is more on the outcomes, the concerts, the the constant performing, and it's just it's a different way of connecting. I mean, the the audiences are different. When right. for next level, it's more about reaching out to marginalized communities, hip hop communities, um, whereas with uh, with American Music Abroad or with you know the the different types of American music, that's more about reaching broader audiences. And mm -hmm. there is some you know. 
these are not mutually exclusive things. I mean, there's concerts for next level and there's, you know, there's work of social focus in, in American music abroad. So it's not mutually exclusive, but the, the aim and direction is a little different. Um, the direction of American music abroad is more outward. Whereas, um, whereas next level is more kind of a cross communication, Mm -hmm. um, you know, more focused on the residency itself. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Um, yeah, I was asking because uh, you you also see some exchange in in the American music abroad, uh, of course, concerts like uh, like the the performance that we just heard, um, and even like the it's very beautiful just seeing the American singers singing uh, the local language, um, yeah. and trying to adapt their instruments to the the local music, which could be totally foreign, like a completely foreign language. Yeah, no, and and that's it's something that's always very profound for the the listening audiences seeing these American you know musicians performing their music, uh, playing together with with a local band. I mean, it it was something that that always got the biggest applauses because it shows a, a certain amount of respect and that totally. you're trying to understand their culture better. Um, and so for something like uh american music abroad it, it it's an important part of it is that you you work on learning other you know types of other people's music and 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 get to perform it together because that's really what local audiences you know love even more is that that kind of respect you're showing to their culture definitely and in terms of evaluation are these evaluated in a similar fashion um well there is evaluation on both programs um the you know, the evaluation of, of next level is more focused on the artists and the, the, the art, yeah, the artists and the community you work on in the Academy. That's where the evaluation stems from. Mm. Whereas the evaluation done on, uh, American music abroad, it kind of depends on what the, the context of the, of, you know, which group is going, but both, both programs do a fair amount of evaluation to this. Uh, and uh, I'll be honest, I mean, from my work in, in public and cultural diplomacy, I, I honestly, this is going to sound ca- counter to all the stuff you're, you're learning at USC, but I don't believe in evaluation. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that, I don't believe that these ephemeral things can be counted by, you right. know, boxes and checks because these are long-term projects. I mean, it was Edward R. Murrow who said, you, you don't hear a cash register ring when somebody's mind has been changed. I mean, these are long-term projects. And I, and so, you're planting seeds of people opening up to new styles of music or you, you never know the long-term effects of these things. And so I think it's, it's kind of a market focus and, and that, that people focus on the evaluation. Um, but I think that you can't really evaluate the ephemeral things like cultural diplomacy, cultural exchange, because these are long-term projects. I mean, I, I used to work on a, a program called Seats of Peace. It's a camp in Maine that gets Israeli, Palestinian, Egyptian, Jordanian, Indian, and Pakistani teenagers together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you do, you do evaluation, but you can't possibly know how much you've changed someone, at least, you know, for 10 years on. I mean, yeah. it's, it, these are I long-term totally projects of which you're, you're changing people's minds. Right. Like, I, I have a background in music. I still play music to this day, and I can attest to that. I, uh, I know the impact of music, but certain people just, uh, at least you can see at the state level, sometimes it's viewed as cultural cheesecake. Um, and that's why I, I this, this is the exact reason why I have this podcast going on right now. I want to um, just change that attitude towards uh, culture, but music specifically. Um, yeah. 
And you, you've you've been in the in the front lines, uh, seeing this change and seeing this engagement. You you can see people uh, come away from these programs with new new skills, new appreciation. Um, more, you know, it, you, you see the benefits on the long term when people have really benefited from these things. And um, I, you know, let's be honest. I mean, if you if if you really understand the role of cultural diplomacy, you know that you know jazz helped win the Cold War. It it's one of the most profound ways of of you know partaking in the exchange of ideas. Um, and so I think that you know there's there. There, there needs to be a, a deeper appreciation for the role of cultural diplomacy in, in shaping global events and shaping, you know, the, the, the war of ideas. Totally, totally. Um, so it's now time for our musical piece breakdown. So basically, we just play one or two songs and we are going to discuss the DNA in a way, um, because there's a lot of music out there that is just a product of the cultural amalgamation whether it's uh, uh, through migration or uh, just technology. Um, so I have chosen a couple songs for you. Um, let's, uh, let's hear the first one and we'll discuss it. This is uh, The Shrews by Beirut. <laughs> by Beirut. Um, you told me you were a, a Beirut fan? I am. I love the song uh, Nantes and I, I have a couple of their albums. Uh, and my one of my favorites is the video of Nantes where uh, the guy is performing by the, the trash cans. Yeah, totally. Uh, um, yeah, he's an, he's an interesting character, uh, Zach, yeah. Zach Condon. Uh, so he's from New Mexico. Um, but uh, this song, this song comes from an album uh, called The March of the Zapotec. you're familiar they're uh the indigenous people of of uh oaxaca yeah um and what i find uh so interesting about this uh this piece of music is that uh this is 
um, this American kid or adult, I guess, um, that went to uh, Oaxaca, and he he fell in love with the sounds of uh, funeral uh, marching bands, um, and he's been he's been kind of obsessed with uh, 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 funeral uh, music from Europe. Uh, but this is the first time he 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 was considering Mexican funeral music, which is a very marching band, very influenced by European sounds, uh, waltzes, and all these things. Um, and he went there and he recorded a 19-piece band um, from the Teot Teotitlan del Valle. And this is a uh, the the horn section and the percussion percussive section is the Jimenez band. Which is a, a, a local band, so and and they participate in the funeral music that involves uh, the whole town when they're trying to take uh, their uh, uh, departed, their beloved departed, uh, and they're they're going on their way to a burial. They perform all these uh, beautiful, beautiful songs, and what is cool about it to me is that uh, this funeral marching music. Uh, is an influence of son sones and fandangos, which are Mexican uh, Mexican styles of music that uh, are traced back to Western Africa. So uh, it's a it's an amalgamation of Western African uh, melodies, uh, dances, and European. Uh, I'm assuming specifically Spanish, but I know there's a little French influence too. Um, of the instruments, instrumentation, just the fact that they're using um, horns, and it's a yeah, it's a song that really, really moves me, um, and I chose it because you are obviously in Mexico right now. Um, I am, and speaking of funerary marches, uh, there have been. I mean, I just finishing Day of the Dead celebrations, which is incredible. Um, and they just had actually a concert uh, group you should check out if you don't know them already. Uh, Sonido Gallo Negro that was just performing here in Puebla. It's uh, kind of an electronic uh, cumbia group. Very cool. Uh, yeah, very cool. Yeah, the whole cumbia uh, cumbia movement there too is very very interesting to me. Um, I, I I'm planning on doing a whole episode just on cumbia because it's different if you see it from Colombia, from Peru, from Mexico. It's just a uh, it's just a different version of yeah. very similar. Everywhere you go. Yeah, yeah, African groups. We, on the the Next Level El Salvador program, we mixed cumbia and hip hop, which was amazing. This kind of old school cumbia band, uh, I think half the group was blind and oh, they had wow. never heard hip hop before and they loved it. And wow. my group had never heard cumbia before and they loved it and they had a great time creating yes. some, some hip hop cumbia uh, collaboration. Yes, yes, yes. There's something about music that has its traces in in western africa or in africa in general that is very very moving to me and to me i i, I grew up listening a lot uh uh to a lot of latin pop specifically which is a uh all these bachatas and and different mm. different versions of a of of pop with a latin groove and then i started listening to music coming out from mali and the guitar lines are are similar. I'm like, it was a very easy transition for me to love Western African music. So, and that kind of started this whole journey. Very beautiful stuff coming out of there. Um, very much so. So, okay, so the, we have one more song, and this is um, Eddie Cano, and he's performing the Havana Aguila. And I chose this song because 
you're my Jewish American guest, and I am a Latin American host. So this is Eddie Cano, uh, a Cuban jazz pianist born in LA, who's performing uh, a traditional Jewish folk song, Havan Aguila. Here it goes. To this song, Paul, um, can you tell me a bit about like the the Jewish diaspora in 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 Mexico or in the different communities in Latin America that you've visited? Sure. So Mexico has uh, a very old historic Jewish community here, um, and some of it is is crypto Jews, um, Jews who came fleeing the Inquisition and hid their Jewish identity. So the great-grandmother would cook pork and would feed it to the dogs or would light candles on Friday night and wouldn't tell their kids what it was about. Um, I had some experience writing about the, the Tijuana Jewish community mm-hmm. where they had a, a number of, of crypto Jews who were part of the synagogue who had kind of returned to the fold. Um, Latin America has has you know a huge amount of Jewish community. In fact, I wrote a, a bit about the Jewish community of um, Argentina, which has, I think, the third or fourth largest Jewish community in the world. Yeah, uh, yeah, Mexico has a, a very big Jewish community. And these are very strong communities. They're, um, there's you know some communities that are a little more conservative, um, but they're very part of very much part of the the communities themselves um and here in mexico the there's a big jewish community in mexico city there's a little one in guadalajara and also in um in tijuana which i mentioned there's a a bit of a jewish community there but all throughout latin america there's some really wonderful vibrant jewish communities Uh, brazil has a large jewish community um not so much latin america but i wrote a piece about the jewish community in jamaica which dates back to columbus's second ship and uh some fun things about that community they uh there was once a a pirate uh named moisha enriquez and he was apparently this bloodthirsty pirate but had a uh a rule that he would never kill anyone on the sabbath so (laughs) he would let people wow Um, I think yeah, that, yeah, the, the Jewish connection in Jamaica is very interesting because I think the religion, the Rastafarianism uses a lot of Jewish symbolism, right? And It, it does. It uses a fair amount of that. Um, and the Jewish community in Jamaica is is old. It's historic. There's a, a Jewish synagogue there that has white sand floors on the on the ground, and the the reason for it is twofold. One, kind of to celebrate the island heritage of Jamaica, but also because the the Jewish community there had fled the Spanish Inquisition and come came to Jamaica. And when they were still in Spain and in Portugal, they used to put sand on the floors of their basement to try and muffle the sound of the prayers when they were praying in oh, secret. Wow. Um, a lot of the Jewish community in Latin America comes from communities that were fleeing the Inquisition. Uh, and that's been kind of something that, that shaped the communities right. here. And I was just reading an article in the New York Times today about Jewish communities in, in both in northern Mexico and also in New Mexico, um, where Jews of, you know, people of Jewish descent who had fled the Inquisition are 
gaining Spanish citizenship and returning to Spain and Portugal um, because both countries are, are giving uh, the ability to gain citizenship if you can prove that your family had fled the Inquisition. Right. So that's uh, that was in the news today. And these but, uh, uh, these diasporas in, in, in Latin America are mainly Ashkenazi? Uh, no, it, it, it's uh, both Ashkenazi and Sephardic. It depends mm -hmm. on, on where. Um, but they're, they're both. I was at, uh, for Rosh Hashanah, I was in, in Mexico city and I was at a Sephardic synagogue. Um, and you know, it's, I think it's really both Sephardic and Ashkenazi, uh, depending on which community you're looking at and where you are, yeah, you'll yeah. see more of one or the other. Speaking of cultural diplomacy, there's a really cool documentary. Um, it's a, it's a Peruvian director. I do not remember his name right now, but he documented the Sephardic community in the Amazon of, of ah. Peru. I'll, uh, I'll send you a link. Uh, it's it's yeah, very interesting. Um, that is so very yeah, interesting. just to wrap it up really quick, you showed me this old school klezmer uh, band uh, played by all Mexicans uh, in Puebla. Let's uh, let, yeah. let's play it uh, really quick, and then we, we can talk about it, and just uh, we'll uh, we'll go we'll go our ways. <laughs> Cool. I really liked it. Oh, they're great. They're they play right in the in the square in the Zocalo under the portales in, in Puebla. Yes, and they have they're wearing the traditional uh, wardrobes and everything, right? Yeah, one of the guys wears the traditional mm -hmm. uh, wardrobe. He's got a beard and a hat. I was kind of trying to figure out if he was Jewish or not when I first heard it and saw it, but then somebody sent me the article, uh, and I found out a little bit more about them. But they're great. I I see them play uh, every week. Very cool. And I something I like about Uh, klezmer music. Klezmer is already um, a very amalgamated uh, style of music. I think there's Romanian and Hungarian Romani music, uh, Turkish. It's all a, a really interesting blend. Um, and uh, yeah, I think uh, I think Jewish music in general really like exemplifies uh, the cultural amalgamation and just the Jewish culture, just the fact that it's uh, everywhere. Yeah, we, yeah. we come from a lot of different places, and so our Jewish culture is made up from a lot of different elements, and it's definitely an amalgamation of a lot of different things. And I think that's kind of a, a good thing to, to end on is the, the idea of how culture is both fluid. You know, it, culture is not static. It's fluid and something that, that takes in lots of different influences. Um, and that's really what, what you're doing in cultural diplomacy and cultural exchange is trying to create the, the space in which this, this kind of uh, – this culture builds you know new in new in different directions and that's that's the beauty of it definitely so yeah thank you paul this was a great talk great discussion um do you have any departing messages uh for the cultural diplomats out there and on the impact of music yeah i i would say that i, I my my kind of uh Goodbye to the you know to those listening, especially to the students at, at USC who are studying cultural and public diplomacy, is that there really is a role for us you know public diplomats in 
in this, you know, creation of new culture and, and music. I mean, I don't have a musical background and yet my role in this was to be the, the, the producer, the architect, the Sherpa, the mule, whatever, um, in part because I understood cultural diplomacy so well, um, from studying at, at USC, you know, I was able to add things to, um, to the process, which the musicians would not have thought of because of our, our understanding of the field and ways that we can think differently about these things. Totally. Thanks again, Paul. And I hope you enjoy your stay in Puebla. How long are you staying there? I'm here until, or I'm, I'm here until the end of the week and then I'm heading back to Mexico city. Very cool. So I've been here for about a month. Very cool. Awesome. Thanks Paul. And have a great, uh, rest of the day. Thank you as well. Thanks for having me. Bye bye. Thank you.